Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hi. You know that movie you always wanted to see, but you didn't for whatever reason? Well, I call those black hole films. Everyone has them, and this podcast aims to do something about that. I'm Jeremy Lalonde, and every episode I'll be joined by one or more guests to watch a film that at least someone in that group hasn't seen. We'll talk about our expectations of it before it, and then our thoughts after it. This is episode 27, and I'm joined by Kelly McCormack, who you probably have seen as an actor in stuff like The Killjoys or 11-22-63, but is also a writer, producer, performer of her own stuff, like films like Barn Wedding or Play the Film. And also Stephen McCarthy, who is in shows like The Strain and has been in movies like Picture Day on the Steps and made this amazing short that I think you can find online called O Negative, which if you haven't seen, you should please check out. This is easily the longest episode of the podcast so far, and I was really tempted to go in and cut it down just for the sake of it. But it's a really great fucking conversation, and I think it touches upon a lot of stuff that's worth hearing and talking about. So, I left it pretty much as is. Enjoy. Oh man, you're in for a treat. I'm excited. <laughs> Alright, let's go around the room. Um, so we'll introduce ourselves and we'll say if we've seen the movie or not. Okay. So I'm Jeremy, I have seen the movie many times. My name's Steve, I have seen the movie once as a teenager. Uh, my name is Kelly and I've not seen the movie, na- movie and I know nothing about it. Not a single thing. Not Besides a single it thing. Might, might, might be a play. <laughs> I don't know. Because you heard of The Apartment as a play? Well, the, the Based boy. on a musical, actually, by yeah. Neil Simon and Burt Backlack and Hal David. <laughs> is this true? Yeah, I just fucking uh, Wikipedia it. It's probably I've seen the music. I bet I've maybe seen the music because I was like a musical theater buff. Like, right. You know, all musicals. So I think I've Promises, heard... promises. Oh, that's from this show? Yeah. Oh, I, I sang that sh- song in auditions like for years in New York. Like, you made me yeah. promises, promises. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know it was a musical. Wow. Yeah. So well, yeah. look at all the stuff on. we're learning tonight. I know mm-hmm. the musical in. Oh, okay. I, I had some time to kill between rehearsal and here, so I got a Suvlaki in Greektown and, and did. Uh, got I intentionally researched nothing so I could experience it as a virgin. Mm-hmm. But now you yeah. kind of know a little bit. But now I know a little bit because I know. This is what I thought. I was like, oh, I think it's a play or something, and that's why I chose it. I was like, let's do that one. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I first. You said you saw it as a teenager? I thought as a teenager, I mean, I, I just was one of those kids who, probably like you, just started to seek out, like, okay, what are the great movies? Yeah. Tell me what the great movies are. So, I think I did a whole Billy Wilder thing. Same. Yeah. Well, I went, it was this, I saw it first, in my first year of film school, when all of us were just exchanging VHS tapes. Mm. And everyone's like, here, you gotta watch these. And I remember getting up, I couldn't sleep one morning, and I was up at like 6 a.m., and I had an early lecture, but I was like, I have time to watch a movie. So I just popped this in, not knowing anything about it. And then it was one of those movies without like trying to load anything onto it that when it ended, I just, I was not expecting that. Right. I was not prepared for what that movie was. I was just like, it's an old black and white comedy. Yeah. It'll it'll be, it'll get me through the morning Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just kind of walking around in a daze for the rest of the morning going, what's another movie like that? And found my, tracked down my friend who'd loaned it to me. He's like, there's not really like the apartment is the apartment. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like when you find a great movie you love, and it's like, What's, I, want to, I want to feel that again. It's like, you can't feel that again. That's, that's the one that, that's, that, that's the thing that makes you feel that, and yeah. sorry. <laughs> it, that, I think this is also one of those movies that, yeah, when you, when you think that you think that uh, at some point, you know, life was simpler or more quaint or, 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 or less sophisticated than it is now, this is one of those movies that you watch and you go, oh my gosh, like, 
you know, fun Hollywood uh, studio movies could be loaded with such serious, heavy, sad themes and still be comedies. Yeah. You know, like... And that's what blew my mind about it, because I think of the 50s of, of like... Production leave code. It, yeah, and, Leave it to Beaver and all that kind of stuff. And so I was not expecting half of the stuff that's in this movie, and you're like... Yeah, that that alone blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just watching and connecting to it. I don't know if any of that stuff you're talking about is in the musical. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, like, I grew up... I went to theater school. Like, I was a... Like, that... I read plays all the time. And that... I don't... I feel like what I remember from this... From it, I don't remember it being as dark as maybe you're talking. But maybe mm-hmm. I'm just... I wouldn't call it dark. But it's just... It's... It's... It's bittersweet. Yeah, no. There are definitely dark musicals, so it's, or bittersweet musicals. So perhaps. Yeah, but it's not one of those like wah, wah, wah bedroom comedies of the fifties. Mm. No, it's, no, it's got some. Well, it was nominated. I don't think it won, but it was nominated for best picture for sure. Yeah, ten Oscar nominations, yeah. five wins. Did it? Um, do you think that they ever made a movie musical about it? Do you know that? I don't think so. No. Have a, if it was, it was, it was not it. successful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know who's in it or anything like that? Nothing, I actually literally know nothing. I'm so gonna, I'm just, we should, this is the perfect time to stop then. Mm, yeah, because sure. I don't, I don't want to ruin anything else for you. Basically, no. all movie watching experiences for me are like, I'm a virgin baby, like, what? So Who, have how? you ever seen a Billy Wilder movie? I don't know. Amazing. Something like it hot? Kelly will be back every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's funny. Like, I, just, I never, I never grew up watching movies. We went like I we had a te- one television, and it was for my brother. We played video games, and my mom was a single mom, and it was like I could not fight my brothers off the television. And then in the summer is when I think when everyone like watches movies. I went to an island with no electricity. So, and I was like, I would read Samuel French plays back to back, a CD cover of like. All the musical, all the CDs that, you know, I, my mom would go and get a new CD of a musical every every week for me to watch. I didn't give a crap about movies. She had a healthy childhood is what you're saying. No, it's, it's weird now as a filmmaker because people are like, make references and I just have to like, uh-huh, ooh, yeah. But what's neat is coming at it from like now making films and writing films. I watch, I like watched The Godfather for the first time like a, a couple months ago and got to kind of sit there and go, oh, that's really interesting. And mm-hmm. and then when I watched 2001 Space Odyssey, which for me, I think is the best movie ever made, I had no... It's like you see all... I'm watching it in reverse because I'm like, oh my God, that thing, that bum, 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 Now you know it's from. Bum. I'm, like, I'm like, that's not right. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was all that stuff, so... I thought it was Buzz So you're like the modern <laughs> female Paul Schrader. <laughs> Basically. Because he hadn't seen a movie until he was like 18 or something. Well, yeah. Um, and then, you know, went on to write Taxi Driver and all these other things. But I just he, he grew up without it, too. It's nice that you guys are so nice about it, because some people are really hostile to me towards it. And I'm like, all I wanted to do was be an actor. And then, like, storytelling bled into writing and, and filmmaking, and and I just, I, that's all I wanted to do. I just I, wanted to be in stage. Yeah, I think whatever leads you on your path is yeah. awesome, because that's only your experience. Right. And my whole thing of starting this podcast was about embracing the fact that you hadn't seen something, as right. opposed to shaming somebody for it. Oh, well, mm-hmm. I could be here every week, please. I think you should <laughs> might have to make your own podcast, Movie Virgin, and just be like, be like... Kelly figures out film. <laughs> it's just interesting, and also I think it's weird to watch movies that are, people are like, that was the movie that changed my life growing up. Like... For me, the movies that changed my life were like Goonies, obviously, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. T-shirt. We're literally wearing a Goonies like, shirt right now. Goonies yeah. Never Say Die. And like, you know, my dad was weirdly obsessed with all the Naked Gun movies. And mm-hmm. for me, the biggest movie of my life was The Labyrinth. And 
if I had to, if I got time with the television, I just rewatch the labyrinth. Yeah, I, I that uh, now that I because I know you that I understand you so much it, better now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's so funny? The worst, the worst thing right now is I'll watch movies. Because you're like a Jennifer Connelly dude, but we kind of t- that those two people could agree on birth. Same thing to say to me. Well, now my whole thing is like I'm like I rewatched Goonies at the gym the other day, and I was rewatching like at the, the gym. It was randomly on. It's always on. Okay, it was on TV. Yeah, it's on TV. That's oh, I thought you meant like you brought your eyes. Hilariously, no. <laughs> Um, but it's like my whole thing is 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 being scared yeah. to watch a movie that like the few, of the handful of movies I watched, which were basically Goonies, The Dark Crystal, Wizards, yeah. and um, that's about it. You know, growing up and worried that they all are like terrible no? f- feminist nightmares. Oh Something yeah. Like like oh, mm. and then The Labyrinth is incredible. Like I mean, The Labyrinth yeah. is a, is and it's, it makes sense for Jim Henson because he always wrote these really interesting female characters but um, I could talk about The Labyrinth for your entire podcast yeah. we just did The Dark Crystal a little while ago because I had never seen it and I'm oh. a huge Henson nerd and somehow that one escaped Sifter, me yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you watch, have you seen Legend? no I haven't seen Legend either oh, okay well maybe we should do that we'll come Whoa. back and that'd be my black hole I would yeah. say that Dark Crystal does not hold up as no. well as Goonies. Goonies actually holds up really well. Oh, the, the, the way those se- those kids work together and the way uh, just the kind of like chaotic craziness of being a little kid yeah, yeah. is captured. That movie is so perfect. And we don't make movies like that anymore. But no, no. I would say the Skeksis in the Dark Crystal are one of the most terrifying entities ever put on camera. Yeah. Like they the script are, doesn't hold up. Did you know that they didn't? They originally didn't intend for the Skeksis to say anything? They were just these creatures, and then they added voiceover on top of it, and you can watch the original cut of without them saying anything, and you you just are watching, and they and, huh. the, and the leads are just watching the Skeksis like do stuff, and they um and did, you don't know what they're saying. Did you ever watch a couple years ago? This is way off topic, but a couple years ago there was this kind of lame but kind of awesome uh, reality show called Jim Henson's Creature Shop, mm. and um, it was about like someone being able to get a full time job working there, mm-hmm. uh, oh, and one that. of the tasks was they had to create a new Skeksy. From, oh. like a, from a new environment. Stop it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you can go online and, and find like a torrent site that has like the, all the episodes I mean, or something of this show. I was obsessed. Like the labyrinth was the most important. And I saw it in 35 mil at, at the at TIFF, Lightbox and Dark Crystal back to back. And I bawled my eyes out. But the dark, but labyrinth. It's still so good. Labyrinth is, really? is crazy. It's about this like woman who's like trying to hold on, becoming a woman, just trying to hold on to her like her innocent child like to the point where her childhood is literally taken by David Boyd taking her little brother, her baby brother. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to make you a woman. She goes into the labyrinth, which is of her imagination. And basically he says, you know, I, I will give you this. Just let me own you. Let me control you. And I will make you my queen. And then she's like, hold on. You have no power of me. This is my labyrinth. And then she realizes that you don't have to submit to a man to become a woman. You just become a woman by creating your own world of your own imagination. And then she brings her baby brother back and she's like, here, baby brother, it's your turn to be a child. I'm going to be a woman now. So it's like about a woman assuming her power instead of submitting to a man to become a woman. It's Uh, insane. And and so in this explanation, which I totally believe, not believe, sorry, I... Uh Where does the bog of eternal stench fall into this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's so nuts is is um, Jim Hent or David Bowie wrote. Okay, I don't know where the bog spits in. Probably like some sort of terrible. It's like your first. No, no, no it's like your like how you think of puberty, probably. And, like, <laughs> like the first time you have to like hook up with someone who a man who's gone through puberty. And he just I had teenage stinks. sisters, and there was a there was a, a smell. Ton, a, a smell. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's crazy because uh, David Bowie, Jim Henson, like you know, he's 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 responsible. 
responsible for characters like, you know, Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy, where, like, Miss Piggy is the boss, and yeah. Kermit the Frog is this sensitive man. Like, he was clearly working with those gender ideas, but um, he, David Bowie wrote the music for it, and, this, and the lyrics, if you just read them, like, it's, it's all about, like, don't tell me truth hurts little girl, it hurts like hell, and, like, you know... Uh, if when the world falls down and everything that you know, let me take you, let me let you fall, like let me give you drugs. And it's like all about this kind of like a man taking over a woman. It's and it's shocking because like they were doing this in the seventies, you know. Yeah, you know we don't even know, but all of this gender politics is going to play really well. Well, great into this. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that after. <laughs> well, that's yeah. another thing is watching movies. A having no education films, and then B just being like a righteous feminist. It's like I can't yeah. help but watch movies. I can't watch movies from like an innocent child perspective. I'm watching them being like, yeah, this was written by a man, or yes, this is like this is this is problematic, but. Don't, yeah. wa- don't watch 16 candles because I just recently watched that <laughs> <laughs> there's cottage. a lot of, yeah but we find <laughs> that a lot right. like a lot of like a lot of discussions that happen after watching the movie revolve around that too but it's yeah. like does this movie hold up with our view of the world today and yeah. it's like, especially with gender stuff is yeah. very like I've been watching James Bond movies over again and oh. holy shit are they rapey mm. holy shit especially the Connery ones Mm-hmm. Are like unapologetically rapey. It's it's bananas. Like how quickly. Um, recently, someone was telling me about Gary, who runs Comedy Bar, was on the radio or something, and he was talking about how only, like American Pie, only like ten years ago when that came out, there's this whole sequence where Jason Biggs' character is gonna film him having sex with this woman to be like to show that he's like getting some and he was going to broadcast it off this webcam and it's about whether or not he can get some and not about the fact that he's about to film this chick who doesn't know who doesn't know in front of a whole class and it was like and everyone's okay with that how did that actually we all laughed at that we were all like Mm -hmm. whoa like Jason Biggs isn't getting some we want him to get some well I think it's it's because we knew it was going to turn on him Uh like I think because it's a comedy because we're programmed to know how that's going to go I think we as an audience went oh this it's not going to turn out well for him. Right. But it was never about her. But yeah, never. but we never went, oh, this idea in itself is flawed. Do yeah. you should even think to do it makes you a terrible person. Uh-huh. No, never. <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall's character, the nerd character in 16 Candles, like uh, sexually assaults the unconscious... Uh, I mean, body of the, it, of the, of the yeah. sexy hot chick and then she's like kind of falls for him yeah yeah okay. well both like animal house and revenge of the nerds have actual rape scenes in them that are played for laughs right. is this animal house like or what animal, animal house? house no that's no. animal farm animal like farm. National, <laughs> national lampoon's animal yes yeah <laughs> very different movie <laughs> <laughs> but if you watch house, it now like, oh, animal farm right yeah similar and, themes yeah, but they have actual rape scenes that are played for like this is the this is part of the hero's journey. Oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. I was watching. I watched Mash, like the movie Mash. Yeah, the Altman movie. Yeah. And I, because um, after play the film, people kept saying it was very Altman esque, and I was like, well, fuck, I have no idea what that means. So, am I allowed to swear by the way? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, and I was like, I don't know what that means. That's how bad I am. Mash like, is not a good example. No, no, no I'm just going to say that. Finest hour. No, no, they were saying they were just saying the dialogue was very like like moving like he he and I I, I agree. It's like. The, the trying to write dialogue that feels like like noises like people talking and overlapping and very like I watched Gosford Park and I watched MASH the movie not the television show yeah. and I kind of agreed it television was like, show's better yeah well, but I, I felt like I felt I, I took it as I guess a compliment or like something I'm trying to do all the time my writing is like make it feel like these are just 
passing conversations like sounds of the wind or whatever yeah. and that you're people are like the, I, i'm really fascinated by how people talk and so i was watching mash and i was like all right cool like it was really interesting how people would walk by and they'd reference you know they'd throw something over their shoulder and then they'd someone would interrupt someone and it's just that the just the dialogue mm-hmm, not the rest mm-hmm. of the movie but I had to stop watching because it was like they were just beating on this one female character and then they all watch her in the shower the naked yeah. The and she gives this unbelievable performance where she's like screaming and trying to cover herself and I was like, I can't watch this anymore. No, go back. If you haven't, then go and watch Shortcuts and or Nashville. Nashville is the one that I'm watching next. Or oh, even The Player. Um, the Player is amazing. Um, It's like Cassavetes and, and Altman I'm trying to get through. Um, yeah. And then, um, but, but yeah, Nashville I have on my computer ready yeah. to go. The other one thing you probably got, and I get this sometimes, is because of like the ensemble nature of writing too. Right. Is if, if, right. if somehow you're able to write more than three characters that all Talking. have distinct mm. voices, yeah, yeah. then oh my god, you're like Altman. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's like, or you just can play different voices in your head. Right. <laughs> and you just well, don't I mean, write every character the same. Yeah, same. I mean, I, come, I think coming from like an actor's perspective, like dialogue and stuff is, I guess, maybe easier because you're just like, it's kind of like you're improv conversations in your head with yeah. people, but enough people have mentioned Altman to me that I was like, oh, okay, I guess I should figure out yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, but MASH is not a great example. Well, I felt like... The, but you should watch them all. Mm-hmm, yeah, well, I did feel like the dialogue, his, his really interesting overlapping, like, really, really overlapping dialogue yeah. was similar also in Gosford Park when he would, you know, when they'd be downstairs and tons of people are moving around and, yeah, but I gotta watch Nashville. That's the plan. But first... You but first, watch, you have to watch the apartment. Woo. All right, let's do it. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So we just finished. Yes. And uh, before we get into it, we clapped and we cried. We clapped and we cried. Kelly had no idea who Jack Lemon was even after. No. <laughs> mm. Guys, like I said, theater nerd up until like five years ago. Now I get it. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, I didn't watch movies. I don't watch, like, my mother talks about all these people. Maybe that's what turned me off from, like, films growing up. My mom would be like, my mom's the kind of person when she, when they do the in-memorandum at the Oscars, she balls. She's like, oh, it's oh, it's oh, it's this. She knows every single person. But you knew Shirley MacLaine, right? I knew Sh- Shirley MacLaine because I know of her. She's still working, right? And I know who she is now. She's in so much stuff. And every time she walks on camera, there's this, like, written-in like silent clap because <laughs> yeah. it's like royalty is walking on stage you know or on, on set um no i didn't know who jack lemon was but uh you know in in theater school we watched a lot of old the only old movies we watched were all like dance like you know fred astaire gene kelly all right. like the dance musical stuff oh, and theater right. stuff so mm-hmm. what did you think Oh, I thought it was incredible. It was. It reminded me of the feeling I had when I watched It's a Wonderful Life. It was like these heavy... These For some reason, we feel like now is the only time we, we talk about death and loneliness and these like gritty feelings, you know? Similar to when I watched um, A Woman Under the Influence, this kind of like mm. these, these timeless performances, you know? Like Jimmy Stewart in A Wonderful Life or Jenna Rollins in that. It's like... Rollins in that. It's like... There's a naturalism that is, you feel, kind of, like, cuts across every decade, in a way. Yeah. It was so good. Obviously, all the female stuff, like, the transfer of money and women and between men. Like, that visual when he's, his name goes on the board higher up, mm. it's just, like, men rise on the backs of women. That's, like, 
That's why I went, oh, <laughs> it was such a good. And then for him to say, no, he took down the job. It's like, that's the biggest message to her to say, you know, he's not going to play this, this game on the backs of women. Yeah. And he doesn't even go and it's not even he goes and tells her. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. She just knows, but she knows like, that's what it means. You know, like, like the, and there's a couple, t- there was a couple really beautiful things like, he says when he's wasted, he was like, oh, we all, I only had three drinks. And he holds out four, four fingers. Mm-hmm. And then later on when she's super tired, she does the same thing. So there were these moments of like they're meant to be together throughout the film that I thought were really beautiful. Yeah, um, there's a lot of dialogue, stuff like that, too. And part of it is just they're, they're, they're starting to become not each other, but they're like the they often he'll put like a word at the end of a sentence yeah. and say whatever it is, so, something wise. That yeah. Is. The, that's mm-hmm. how that's where the cookie crumbles. That's how it crumbles. Cookie wise. That is. Yeah. Yeah. It was so beautiful. I mean, if so the, good. The line that killed me this time. And I, I'm sure I've noticed it before was when, um, he notices the mirror in his office and she's like, mm-hmm. I like it that way. It's broken. It's, no, it's, it's, it makes me feel how I, it makes me look how I feel broken. Yeah. Like, also that look, cause you know, you're the saying that you're saying that he's the character actor of the last 50 years. I'm, I've probably seen him in other things. Mm, yeah. In billions um, of things. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm thinking I might've seen him in, um, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't the character actor in Lolita. No, no, that not the, the black. Peter Sellers. Yeah, Peter Sellers, that's who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like he's been referred to as like the, the greatest character actor of all time or whatever. Different style. Yeah, totally. different style. Yeah. Was, I mean, was, he's more of like a he's more of an every, genius. This every guy's man. the everyman. The, yeah. This guy, like every time he, when, when she says that, broken the way I feel, he realizes it's her. The way that he just drops. Oh, oh my geez. God. I was like, new tactic. I'm just going to act crazy all the time. And then when, I'm, when I drop into like a moment of, of truth, people will be like, holy shit. Yeah, you just stop doing anything. <laughs> no, but that's what he's doing. Like, he's kind of, he's not over the top, but he's it's playing. very physical performance. Like, it's yeah. such oh, a... when, he, when he's playing cards with her and she's in the bed and he's, and, he, and you can tell he's just trying to play Jim Rummy or whatever. It, mm-hmm. it was so good. And he's sweating and he's trying to get the cards right and he has them fanned out perfectly and like all that because he's just trying to sterilize the situation. It was so good. And, and you know, those, I, I, coming from like a theater background, I lust for moments where like the director's like, okay, Kelly, it's, it's what, like where, like your entire body's in frame as opposed to this like super, like the, the whole shot, the whole movie is shot like waist up, a little bit of close ups, mm-hmm. but there's so many times. Not like, many, not many, not many close ups mm-hmm. in the movie at all. Well, I mean like there's close up, like basically there's maybe a couple on her, like when she's going through her biggest transitions, mm-hmm. but you know, those moments where they're just. You know, they could, they're both existing in the frame, and it feels like theater. Like it feels, yeah. you can tell it was a, a theater show, right? Because it's like, and it, well, it's using shots properly, where it's like there's this overabundance of just, you know, covering scenes for the sake of covering them. Nowadays, especially in television, they just mm. we'll just shoot every value and then decide in the edit which performance is best. Yeah, as opposed to well, well no, you cut close yeah. for a reason. Yeah. there's an emotional reason for being close in the scene, right. oh uh, and it does and set something. them up too. Like, I like when they cut close in, in this movie, and I've seen in other old movies, where it's like, when it cuts close, the makeup looks a little different, the lighting looks changed, mm-hmm. her hair looks a little, like, it's, an, it's a full-on adjustment. Like, yeah. the eyelines are all off. It's like a tableau, you know? Yeah, and, but psychologically, you're like, this is different. Yeah, but I think exactly. the first close-ups in this movie are the mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. you go, this is something to pay attention to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know? Um, other than... 
I guess there's that moment that's kind of a close-up when he's at his desk and he's and he's calling all the different guys and trying to organize all the different mm-hmm. meetings. But yeah, and, that's and, not like a main shot. Straight. Yeah, like, but also like yeah. what an amazing widescreen shot. You see the whole like, the amount of extras that are going I on in know. the background of that. And you mentioned a fun tidbit. Well, who knows? I mean, I read it on Wikipedia, but apparently, yeah, the the sort of the shot of the office is he wanted such a forced perspective that he made the tables increasingly smaller and then hired smaller and smaller humans. And ending apparently ending with children at the back so that you I can't see you can't so you can't see them. I was looking. I was like, I want that to be true because I've always looked at that shot and go, oh my, what a beautifully mastered shot. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was so fabricated, he goes, of course, of course, that's how you get a shot like that. It's not luck. Yeah, yeah. You got to like plan that so specifically. I love. That's a great thing to think is because we always think that oh, in the old days it was so much easier. And probably there they were like, no, this is the studio. It's this long. You can only use this place or you can only use this building. And then he had to go and go. Okay, if I want to make the shot, is I like, want. You know, it's like backdrops and it's like painted backdrops. Yeah. And whatnot. yeah, yeah. There's another fun tidbit that. Uh, the the shot that they used when the um, the brother-in-law comes back to rescue Kubelik, mm-hmm. uh, that shot of him getting punched was the only take where he actually connected and totally nailed <laughs> Jack Lemmon right in the face. Oh, amazing! And so and and Wilder apparently used and I and I, was, I was watching it. I was like, oh yeah, you can really tell that it's actually it's getting hit. That's so funny. Yeah, it's funny this movie went away because when, when it first starts off, you've got all the city shots and you've got those big office shots, and it feels like this big, this big sprawling kind of like, not sprawling movie. But then I love how it slows down in the second half. Mm-hmm. And it really just becomes a play. But yeah. in the apartment when she's there that night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, like, it has that theater feel to it because it takes place so much in one location. The scenes are all, like, usually two people. Like, you know, these two, this pairing, this pairing, this pairing. Yeah. Um, I loved the score. Like, the... But that came up. They played that through the radio. They played that in the car. They mm-hmm. played that on the piano. They played it... And then, after she... Um, after she leaves, they play the entire track, but minor. It's like, and they like they turned it down like a semitone. It was so good. Mm. It's just mm. all that like old school MGM scoring where they're like really intelligent. Well, it's such a theme. Well, such a theme, and like and to and to return to it and return to it and return to it. Like it's it's so it's so in some ways like ballsy to do that and to make it so obvious mm-hmm. and they played it through so many different practicals like it was on the radio it was on this like it was playing it was like the guy was playing on the piano he played it on the record like it's the same song over and over and over mm-hmm. again and back in the day like you know I know I might know nothing about movies but I know a lot about the old school like studio system of writing of writing music scoring movies and whatnot um, because it was the same people who were writing musicals on Broadway and they would spend like these these musicians like they'd have like eleven of them eleven composers coming up with a, a musical motif like the sound of Casablanca the sound of Gone with the Wind like that mm-hmm. one and it wasn't like a whole feature film of soundtrack after soundtrack after soundtrack it wasn't like Gladiator where you had like you could buy the soundtrack it was just the one motif like the same thing over and over again yeah and how they reweave it in is so beautiful mm-hmm. I don't know if you could get away with that now. It's not used very often. I'm trying to like. The, I'm sure it's been done more than this. But the last time I, I remember, so specifically, uh, is Punch Drunk Love. Mm. Um, John Bryan does a really, really interesting thing with the music in that. Mm. That's somewhat similar to like the old school movies like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, 
It's also funny that like they like the whole like I mean again I'm totally nerding out on the musical theater stuff but like they're gonna go see Music Man which is you know a similar character to Jack Lemmon's character mm. you know and this woman who's like you know waiting to fall in love and all that stuff mm. so good not a mistake I'm sure obviously not I mean it was the biggest show on Broadway at the time yeah 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 and like you know you had to have be rich to have tickets what I was like the whole at one point I thought what about hotels. <laughs> And I thought, what, you know, is that not a thing? Well, I guess the only I can think of is that then they've got to explain why they're paying for them to the wives. Right. Mm. Although this isn't like an error where you're explaining to your wife your credit where your money goes. Yeah, right. So no that way. was the only, uh, you know, convenient flaw, I would say, where I would thought, well, all right. Yeah, it'd be hard to do now. Well, but I guess it's then, also, you then. know, the, the, the idea of sort of, I guess it's a big city, but the idea of they could be seen. Because they sort of do that in the in the in the Chinese sort of lounge mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, someone's here, we gotta go, kind of thing. Right. So that's the idea is that they can do anything in this place, I guess. But yeah. yeah. But yeah. I mean hotels. I well, mean, hotels well, are well, the yeah, yeah, international yeah. sign of a fair. Yeah, that's that's but many then, other movies. <laughs> yeah. That's many other movies, <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah. I couldn't get over. I mean, and I think when I saw it when I was young, I think the thing that really just blew me away was. The suicide, like, really? like yeah. that. Like, I mean, the the suicide attempt and how that they just they don't cut away from it. You know, the the even when the doctor comes over and, and injecting and slapping and the consequences of like the the real world sort of problem of that. It's not like oh she commits suicide and then yeah. next morning she's sort of okay and, and you know they don't they, they they're walking her around and they're pouring coffee into her like. And, yeah. and it just, it, it, the movie is just, it just takes so much time with all of that stuff, which makes the payoff so much stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. she's the days, like she stays there for days and they get to know each other. And- yeah. The first time I saw it, I remember the moment that kind of killed me in that sequence was when he goes to shave. Not when he goes to shave, when he's, go- when she wants to brush her teeth yeah. and he goes in and he takes the razors out mm-hmm. and he grabs like whatever mm-hmm. is in the one bottle. It's those little moments like, oh fuck. I can't imagine like, it. watching younger for sure. That would have, you know. Now I'm, you know, I've seen so many. So yeah, yeah. Like, but I guess when yeah, watching younger would be definitely. No, well, it's not, not not that. It was just like I I just never seen a black and white movie that that went to that level mm-hmm. of. Oh, it made it like, feel real. But that's how I felt yeah. in when I watched It's a Wonderful Life. I was I thought, oh my god, like no. he is considering suicide and he's being literally talked off the ledge on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. But that's a drama. That. This is a romantic comedy. Yeah. Right. No, I know. But I mean, I remember so many people for so long were like, you have to watch It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful yeah. Life. You have to watch it. I obviously hadn't seen it because I, my mother failed me as a mother. <laughs> 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 um, no, she didn't fail me. She was wonderful. Um, but I couldn't believe that that was what happens. It was like, what? This is a Christmas movie and mm-hmm. he's like considering suicide because he doesn't feel like he's pursued happiness in a full way. It's yeah. funny how and I was like, "Holy crap!" Like it's so intense. I watched Spinal Tap yesterday, and I and I couldn't get over how subtle it was. Like I yeah. couldn't get over how how believable the songs were. I could, you know, it's funny we have this. I feel like we're in such a like a, a product market driven society. Yeah. Yeah. We imagine that something like has to be amped up for us to understand that it's a comedy, and this is a great example of something that just goes. Yeah. Well, also, just having a character like every time where he was, he couldn't, you know, the physical comedy, like he had a prop jacket, like mm-hmm. the, all that choreography he's doing physically, stuff. and she's just so still, mm. and like that kind of again theatrical way of directing actors to be like, you know, 
you have all the movement mm-hmm. and then she'll stay still and like just knowing visually put them both in the frame and, and let that happen it'll bounce itself whereas out. as now like you know I'm not sure if you guys ever watch um I feel I feel, I feel like his podcast every frame of painting mm-hmm. yeah. again I watch this guy because I know nothing about filmmaking and I have that, to like that's a great YouTube series well it's so good mm-hmm. and like you know my filmmaking uphill climb has been like steep and fast and hardcore like so I was like okay like I gotta figure this out but you know he talks about about how like comedies now are just like people oh, yeah, talking yeah, at yeah. each other. They don't use the visual. They don't use the visual yeah. and like the like they do with um like like he uses hot fuzz or whatever. Yeah, you're right. And this was very this was very um educational in that because it's like it's so simple. It's it's what you do in theater. It's mm-hmm. like the the straight character and the character actor and you get them together and her stillness just becomes more still and his movement becomes more telling. And mm-hmm. Her performance is out of just control. mesmerizing like out of control she's so chill but it's also you know like i've noticed a lot of cool physical things too like the like the sort oh, of handwork oh yeah of her with in the in the elevator she like she kept doing this she kept just being like this kind of like floppy person yeah you know, like flopping around her performance is kind of james dean-esque like it kind of feels yeah. almost methody it's, like it, it's not just that it feels like masculine in a way like mm-hmm. you're, you're like and all the other women are amped up like super female like well yeah, and yeah like, doing voices and, and i loved the moment where he meets the girl at the bar and they never look at each other yeah. and they're they you, you, even they're dancing well that's you the know? whole point so you <laughs> yeah. notice they're never looking at each other and then and so the audience is meant to notice that they're not they're just two souls passing through and then when it cuts them dancing the joke is that they're still not looking at each other yeah, not even judging hilarious little dance it's so symbolic of kind of like what they're going through or whatever but yeah it was so her performance Ugh. but that whole sequence you know is just so good it's so real the whole bar feels so real the yeah. Santa Claus guy I love and the little the, the pinwheel thing he does oh my god yeah I mean, I was counting it then. I'm like, how many, I think he had like a dozen drinks. Seven martinis, yeah, by the time he lays I would say that when I watch, like, coming from a producer's standpoint, it's like when I watch old films and the extras moving about, it gives me a little of anxiety because now everything's choreographed. Everything's like... Oh, yeah. So no one ever really, like, touches and bumps into each other where you watch It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Okay, here's another example of Wonderful Life. They buy... Like, they're in the new community. He's bought all these houses for people. Or he's making this community. Yeah, yeah. And there's, like, they're, like, get in the there's car. The and there's a goat. And, the, and he's, like, yeah, get, yeah. In, get in the car. The and babies. Like, and this baby's being passed. There's kids getting the boat. There's people sitting on the back. And they're, like, drive. And they just drive away. And the music goes, change of scene. And you're, like, watching it going, oh, my God. This movement. People are so physically like interacting mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. now movies are just people with cocktails yeah. and like just moving slightly find the camera like get the angle because the lenses are so like you can't i, I don't know anything i don't know anything about filming camera anything about lenses but like you know you know it's like that it's so so specific it's so finite and mm-hmm. this too like in the in the new year's party mm-hmm. when at the end it's like they sing old lang syne and then that guy busts through to yeah, the piano you really feel He's like just it's like, like hey! total party yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. and it's just like cheers and there's wine everywhere and feels very alive it's so alive and i and i love that i love when it's like looks slightly dangerous and that's mm-hmm. why the producer of me gets like a little anxiety but the actor of me i'm like Ooh. So you know what? Yeah, like when I was when I was working on with Guillermo del Toro on Strain, like he he the rules about that shit. Like he he just was like he praised the extras. He talked to them. I mean, he, it's so simple. We did a three hundred and fifty person scene where everyone's cre- screaming and crying in the in the in the airport. And I was like watching. I was you know of course I'm. I'm, it's me and the guy or in the scene. And there's all these extras behind me. And I was like, and they're all c- crying and screaming. And he's like. 
coaching them. It's midnight at the airport, and it's so and simple. People felt important. Like it's so simple. Yeah. I was on set yesterday, and the AD was giving stuff to the extras. And I couldn't understand what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. He was giving instructions, and then they didn't know because none of them were. were I don't just know. be normal. Just don't be no, don't, don't be like, theatrical. Like, All like, right, okay. So we're gonna have a new starting ones. This is like, think of where you start. Count a couple seconds. That's now where you start. So no, go now. Go to your new ones. And I turned everyone. I'm like, what he's saying is take three steps. Take backwards. three steps backwards, <laughs> or no, sorry, take three steps forward into where you are in the scene. We're gonna start halfway through, and like. But he just, it, it's like the director doesn't even, you know, it's like you got to talk to the actors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the worst. I mean, when, the worst is when, is when you're watching a film and the extras are. But that doesn't seem to be a problem back in the day. Maybe because they were. Well, the sure. rules are different. You know, here, from a director's point of view, and having just dealt with this on Baroness, mm-hmm. uh, where we actually, I had more extras than I've ever dealt with right. before. But the challenge with that is like there's so many rules about what you can and can't say to extras in totally, the background. Totally, yeah. And so it makes you as a director go... You feel like you can't talk to them at all. Even when you're not rolling, you can oh, be like, right. I can't even look at you. Because you can't give them direction because then they get paid more, right? Yeah, and they're constantly angling. Some of them are, you know, they're just regular, decent human being, but some of them are constantly just angling for that upgrade. Right. And go, well, the director talked to me. It's like, yeah, we talked about actually how your day was. Right. I didn't say to do this, but they'll just try to do whatever they can oh, yeah, yeah, to try yeah, to yeah. get the upgrade. And so you're kind of trained as a director to go never even consider the background, look at those props, which puts you in this weird mental state. And then um, the AD starts talking to them, and they, and they don't yeah. know how to... Well, I mean, my general tactic is to go, just talk to the group. Yeah, and yeah. you can do that, but yeah. you can't tell a specific person, I want you to walk through that door. Because mm-hmm. right. now you're giving a specific... But, but one of the ADs can do that. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, how does that work? Well, can the actors... Yeah, you can because, get around that because too. like for my fi- next film, it's like there's so much. Relo- we were talking about this and, and and how much we wanted to keep, but like there's so much of the character love for the character is the audience's reactions to her performances. Mm. So I was like, how do we get sweet ass, cool, hip looking people to dance and to like be into what's going on, on stage? I'm like, I'm just going to get up there and be all like, sup guys, so let me tell you a little bit about me and this movie and what it means to me. Let's do this. Like, Yeah, that's a good way to do it. I mean, that's, it's yeah. just try to, it, you talk to them as a group and then if you need something specific, one of the ADs does it. We, I got like in Baroness, we had an amazing uh, third AD who was a ninja with background. Mm. Like she would just watch our rehearsal on the monitor. She'd sit with me. And then after a rehearsal, she just like, she'd go back and we just paint the frame with background. I won't and, be and her, you do that, you do this. And her timing was impeccable. Like there's always someone doing different things. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. watching like, how do you fucking choreograph that after watching one rehearsal? She mm. was amazing. That's I cool. mean, but that's, so this is the whole thing is that like, I, I, I love, I love all that stuff. Like I, I want to like, I want to be the producer that like wants to do stuff like that. Cause I love when you get extras and you're like, you go up to them and you're like, Hey, Hey, like great job. Like, now, yeah, I'm t- like, and you're like, right after the camera moves, go right in front of the frame, walk, swipe it. And they're like, what? Really? You want me to do that? I'm like, yes, it's yeah. going to be so dope. Go do that. But how, like, they clearly didn't choreograph it back then. Like, they clearly were like, like, have a party. I mean, I don't know. I think yeah, it's, a, you know what, the process makes the product. If you can create the conditions, obviously you have to play within the rules. But I think yeah. there's ways do of doing rules- it. If, if you make people feel important you f- and you find ways to trick. communicate, if you make people 
feel like they're supposed to be there. Or even like the picture that we would get up, you know, on stage in yes, front of the things exactly. and sing, like actually sing the song. Right, right, right. Or like Tat would jump up and do stuff but like, do you, you know. But, but I'm saying back in the day, I don't think these rules existed. No, no, like, it was not. A different. lot of these people were working on the studio a lot, were extras in so many other movies. Yeah, were also yeah. family members of the crew and like the people like... There was a lot of that. There was a lot mm-hmm. of people who were, like, just on the lot. But like, when you talk about Capra, like, he was an expert in getting, like, dude who was an incredible actor to be like, can you play this shopkeeper? <laughs> like, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. so the whole, and he would use them in every movie. Right, right, Like, right. over and over again. So yeah, they were, like, like his posse. Ensemble. He had, like, an ensemble. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I just want to, I, I love the, I love, like, the physical, the, the, the dangerous looking <laughs> extra scenes. They like, yeah. just kill me. I love it, and especially with like kids too. Kids running around, yelling, picking up stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And then someone once pointed out to me because they have this. They have, this is really great in Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory. Like it's like hardcore. There's lots of kids and they're running around and all stuff. Um, in the like the Candyman Can song. Yeah. Like the uh, have you guys ever seen yep. this? Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, you've, the original. Yeah, you've seen the movie. Have you heard? Do you know what I'm about to tell oh, you? No, no. So there's this, there's this in this in the movie. There's this like he opens up the like you know the the divider between the kids and the candy. Like it's like a what is it? An old in an old shop, you would like to get out from behind the can- counter. You'd like lift yeah. part of the counter. Yeah, yeah. He lifts yeah. the counter and clocks this little girl on the chin, and her head flies back. And it's in the movie. <laughs> She's just like whoa, and it's just like she can. He continues the candy man. <laughs> candy. <he's just>, ah. <laughs> I didn't notice that. In the shot, no, it's amazing. You can't. Like movies it. just. Oh, they probably never crazy. noticed. I bet you they. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's Jesus. Oh, that movie, I mean, that's another movie I've seen, obviously, because I've seen all the movie musicals, but um, that one, when they, they didn't let any of the children see the the candy, the wonderland of candy, mm. like, when they walk in that room, and they didn't let any of the kids on who were in the movie, any of the children, on set to see this colorful thing. So the shot when they come out of the of the door and it's like, na-na-na, is the first time those kids have seen that. And... Um, you know, you you would expect that it would be this like, oh my god! But all of them have this like stunned, like like almost beautiful look of their eyes, and it's it's what makes that I don't know that moment sizzle for me because you know that all these kids have have not seen this, and mm-hmm. they give these really honest expressions of like, holy shit, this mm-hmm. is a candy land, mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. music's so beautiful. And That's how I shoot sex scenes with Anna Sesmer. <laughs> <laughs> Just You've don't show many seen. things. Yeah. No, you don't get to see the goods until yeah. the roll. Yeah. Don't see them before they am. No, it's amazing that... So, um... I, 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 can't, I don't remember the year. I could look it up, but uh, I won't. Of this movie, but like thinking about it as a, from 50, a female point of view, it's mm-hmm. like, it's pretty of movies of that era. I find it holds up pretty well. Mm-hmm. There was definitely. Uh, I was hoping. I'm. I'm glad the direction it went in because it was a little. I mean, uh, how you might end it now would yeah. be that like you know her just you know feeling nothing about this guy him making this, like, solid move and then her just falling in love with him. Like, I do like at the end she doesn't say I love you back. They never kiss. She's just kind of like, it's almost like a a we'll see. Like, Mm -hmm. I I clearly, I I like you. I'm going to give you a second chance. He's like, I love you. And that was obviously heartbreakingly beautiful. Um, I think right now you'd want to see her kind of just go off on her own and, and, like, just thank him because it, this movie, the thesis is that she's looking for a man and she just wants to fall in love. And obviously now you don't necessarily have films where... The, yeah. the lead female has to find somebody and can't move forward, but 
you know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna give it that, but <laughs> I'll give sure. it like that free pass because of in terms of its age. But other than that, no, it definitely holds up. I'm glad that every moment where I felt like, oh, she's a literal like piece of property, they address it and they addressed it hard. Like they mm-hmm. went there. The scene where he gives her a hundred dollars and then she, and it's not it's not she gives her a hundred dollars and she looks down and, and you you know you see how she feels bad. She says something like. I can't remember exactly. Since you paid for it. Yeah, since you paid for it, mm-hmm. you know, and and then and then like the moment where she's in her um in the bathroom and she pulls out a purse and she pulls out the hundred dollars, the lipstick, the stuff, and she just tosses it back in back in and just goes, oh, I'm gonna kill myself, you know? And like that, yeah, it's definitely um I would say it does more than hold up. It's probably better than films coming out that came now. out in the 80s and 90s Which and early 2000s. Which is incredible sure because this was made 90s. like in the production code. They, they to, like to do a film about adultery and all these things. Like the way they had to navigate Yeah, the stuff that I guess surprised me the most when I first watched it was like how much rampant adultery... Yeah. Yeah, just it just, it's just it to kind of like... Everyone. Yeah. You know, like when you watch all like, like old Betty Davis films or whatever, like it wasn't until... I mean, if, as little as my knowledge is about the film... In like the like the history of filmmaking, from my kind of uh, very skimmy assessment, is like it wasn't really until like the eight the eighties and nineties where this like women are pivots for the male characters, um, and they are only seeking love, and this like their only function is to be a love interest was really kind of like they did films did better back in the fifties and sixties than they do now. Like, yes, they're do, they do terrible in terms of like representation for people of color. And it's, you know, the stereotype of a woman trying to find a man is, Mm -hmm. which is her ultimate goal because back, but then it's like, well, actually in the fifties and sixties, that was what a woman's, you know, what a woman's job was, was that you like got married and, and stayed home and had kids and you know, you had a secretarial job or you worked until that happened. Whereas in like the 80s and 90s when women could be career women and the, all these fucking movies come out that are just still about that still about finding a man despite you know you might have career aspirations so I, no, I, I, I've always related more to older films as a female than I have like from the 50s and 60s than I did right. through the pocket of the, the like the rom-coms of the because they get 80s a, and, 90s. and that is that because they get a bit of a free pass. The, I mean, like they get, they get a, you get a free pass because of the actual cultural, um, you know, fossils coming out yeah. of the time. But like you have wait. So another thing is that a lot of movies in the fifties and sixties were based off of plays, just like this one musical. Because the greatest, there was no difference between a screenwriter and a playwright. They were yeah. the same thing. So when you have Tennessee Williams play plays that are turned into films and all these like. Um, Who's Coming to Dinner and Odd Couple and, you know, Cat and Haunted Group, all the stuff. In theater, we don't have the, I say we, we don't have the problem of female characters being underwritten. Because to sell a Broadway show, you have to stack it with an, a woman who has a following. And to get a following on Broadway, because shows take so long, you not, you're, not a di- you're not a Broadway diva, a Broadway star until you're like your 50s and 60s. Which is why in theater, as you get older, the parts get better. People, women nominated for Tonys in the last couple of years were Tyne Daly, Patti Lapone, like Betty Davis, Bette Midler won this year, like women in their fifties and sixties and seventies. And that's, and that's the same with like Shakespeare. It's, it's no one, no one goes, I, I can't wait to play Juliet. You know, like, no, I can't wait to play Lady Macbeth. Like these characters that are, you know, historically older, um, or played by older women as opposed to actually what's in Shakespeare. But, um, 
So, so back in the day in the fifties and sixties, when these were being written by playwrights and based off of plays, you have these like Blanche Dubois, you have these mm-hmm. like Knight of the Iguana characters, these really interesting, like big, um, female vixen, like Betty Davis, like everything she did. Have you seen Sunset Boulevard? I have. Well, no, I've seen the, I've seen the show, like the musical. I've not seen the, the movie. Is that another Billy Wilder. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I need to watch it. But like, it's, it's so much of that. And in musical theater, like the show's not over until the fat lady sings. It's what that is. It comes from opera. What the show's not over until like the big main character, the biggest voice of the show sings the 11 o'clock number, which happens at 11 o'clock before the show ends. So when you have a movie based on that, you have to make a character that yeah. leads up to an 11 o'clock quote unquote number, like that, where she just decides she's like going to kill herself and blah, blah, blah. Like, and, and then it wasn't until these loser fucking like studio losers started writing movies in the eighties and nineties that didn't, that, that it became the obsession with youth, with the yeah. youngest, prettiest thing. And when you have this infantilized industry that's obsessed with like young, young girls, the, the, the bigger the selling point is how virginistic and how young and how mm. like impressionable and how much like the male superstar of like having a shirt off. Like as soon as men were allowed to have their shirts off and it was this hero, like you got to have something to save and there's nothing better in a story wise than saving a lost little raped young girl. Like who's, you know, like that's it's, and then women just became a turning point for a plot for males, you know, character arc. But that's why these old movies, they're just, it's like it's almost like shocking when you watch them because you're like that was so amazing. Well, that was a play that had just been on Broadway and yeah. starred, you know, um, Ethel Merman. You know, that's she was the biggest star on Broadway of all time, and she was her biggest shows were in her sixties. Well, I think we have this myth that somehow things are getting more like better. Yeah, <laughs> like better, getting more tolerant, or getting better for. Uh, you know, that, that somehow we are now reaching our fullest potential as human beings instead of like a long, you know, I, I, I have a feeling that, you know, the, the great film stars of the 1920s and 30s didn't feel like they were underwritten characters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sure. I feel like now you'd end this movie. The, I don't think Greta Garbo was wondering where her parts were. I mean, th- those were certainly not based on, some no. of them were based on plays, but you know, the like, mm-hmm. silent films. I don't think they felt like they weren't, or like something like uh, um, the Blue Angel or something like you know, like yeah. movies like that where you go, oh, those are incredible, crazy female roles and very sexual, and you know, like before they put in the Hayes Code and started to, to repress all that stuff. I think I think movies in the 1920s and 30s were sometimes way more modern than anything that comes well, out that's nowadays. What I'm saying, yeah. yeah, and not just that, but like it, probably what was shittier back then in the studio system is that you had to like sleep with producers, the casting couch is a real thing. Someone recently was like, oh, I heard Grace Kelly slept her way to the top. And I was like, it's so funny that you know that about her, but you don't know the names of all the men who put her in that position. Like, yeah. who, like, pressure to do that. And, like, as someone who, like, deals with that shit all the time, it's a real thing. It's not getting better. It's worse than people think it is. It's awful. And, and, I, and back in the day, as this movie suggests, it was just common... It was common practice. Like, you... If you were a big producer in the industry and you cast the lead star, you got to sleep with the lead star. So, I don't know, like, you know, if the Catherine, in the Catherine Hepburn era of, like, cinema, where she, she's probably not thinking, like, my character's this, like, meek little thing, mm-hmm. right? But then she's dealing with all this other crap off, off the scene, which she yeah. was, and, you know, I don't know, but I, I do think 
it's it's weird that we think that it's been we're patting ourselves on the back for being um, progressive for being progressive when it's not really been this this like steady line of getting better. We let ourselves go a little bit like we did in the eighties and nineties and 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 uh, in in ways. I mean, it's a similar it's similar to like I say all the time. I'm like women have patriarchy hasn't existed forever. Like back in the like Greek gods, yeah. goddesses, Rem were idolized. Mother, you know, this is just. You have to think, I always think of things in like, you know, this thousand year trend or this 2000 year trend or this 20 year trend or 10 year trend or whatever. I mean, you could look at, you could look at American Pie, for instance, as starting this scary era of like frat movie thing, you know? I don't think that was the start. No, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe for you. Yeah, that was, <laughs> but that was probably like one of the highlights of the mainstream. Really. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't, again, I'm not a film buff, but um, I know a lot of people reference it as this like start of something a new turn in yeah. in comedy in like bro comedy right right <laughs> I don't that's know fair. but for as long fair. as there's been movies there's been teen movies oh sure yeah, I mean, yeah. you look at most of the Tom Hanks movies of the 80s and right you know, before he turned into more serious roles and right. all that kind of stuff but yeah I, I do think this film is definitely one of those like nice time capsules that seems to shoot up above everything else and I'd be curious to know someone like Shirley MacLaine like how much because what I do, what I have read about people like Katherine Hepburn, people like Meryl Streep in the beginning of her career, had to fight to have like were in, were involved in talking to the writers and that character, I mean she kills it and maybe she had nothing to do with it, which is even more impressive. But it sounds like she really maybe was involved in 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 being like, well, what if she does this or what if she says this or you know, hmm. yeah, it has that feeling about it. Well, Billy Wilder was definitely even even though he worked with. A co-writer was very much like an auteur, and I, I think probably very collaborative with with the actors. Mm-hmm. I think you don't make a movie like this unless you're interested in the human condition mm-hmm. and what like a performer will bring to a role. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. That's, I think yeah. he. There's a quote of him saying like, you know, I, actors are limited. And so, why not tailor the movie to to that specific performer? I think I think he's, yeah. he says early on that he's he, he would always kind of create the movie with them in mind in terms of a vehicle. Like, I mean, Adam, which is I think is just like you say, it's just like someone who like likes talent and goes, "This is the kind of, you know, this is the type of movie I want to make." And, yeah. and he, I think Jack Lemmon was the reason for this movie. Yes, they had just done some like it hot, and they were like, "Let's do another one next year," and uh, and they found this. Yeah, I mean that's how I work as a writer, like I have to kind of know who I'm writing for a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, at least my first couple films, it's like I knew who I was cast, who was cast and I was writing for those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you can hear them and like, you kind of just exfoliate their, theirness. Yeah. Technical term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find <laughs> but, if I, yeah. if I don't have it already cast, I'll at least write with someone in mind. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then rewrite if the cast changes. Yeah. I've, sure. done that, I've done that a bunch of times too, actually. Like I've, I've just picked someone who I thought was kind of fun or whatever and, and just, put their their ilk on it and then you know turned it and whatever but yeah yeah she just gives a crazy performance i wonder how old she was mm-hmm. I don't, yeah i don't know like and fred mcmurray being cast I, I remember like watching fred mcmurray and like the shaggy dog movies and all the disney movies yeah in the 60s and stuff and then billy wilder i think was the only person who ever cast him against type yeah in double indemnity and this yeah, he's a womanizing fred mcmurray is uh sheldrake and what he had he done before? Well, he was mainly cast as sort of like a nice guy. As like the sweet dad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. no way. Yeah. 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 
he did seem like that. It did, it did feel crazy, like, it felt like Mad Men had, like, based their entire office off of that. But obviously, it was a Manhattan, like... Yeah. Yeah. Thing. And they weren't an ad firm. They were, what, an accounting firm? So I don't know what the hell they were. They don't really get into it. Insurance. Insurance. Insurance, yeah, but they don't really get into it. No. Which is... Great, because it kind of plays as this is every office across America. Yeah. In, in major cities. Mm-hmm. I was amazed at the construction of how well, how tight. You know, like you start and the, he's already in this problem. Like, you know, you'd think, oh, maybe we'll see how this problem evolved, but he's in the middle of no, it. The year That's his it. life. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and yeah, then, like, right. I love the scene when all in the mid, in the kind of, uh, kind of maybe the beginning of Act Two, when. The all of the guys who have been profiting from his apartment come in to sort of be the heavy and say what's been going on lately, and you're like, what's the scene gonna? How's this gonna take place? And then you realize, oh, he's got a new, he's got the big boss mm-hmm. who has come on board, and he doesn't need these guys anymore, so yeah. he can be all tough with them. Yeah, well, like, that's I love like, that. Well, then, and then that's like he's plowed his way through exactly. middle, middle management, yeah. and that was a thing, and which was so clear, and like the, and then when his, his he got the office right beside the boss, mm-hmm. and then to say no to all that, it was just so. Like but he doesn't right away. away. No, yeah, no, no. He doesn't do it right away. No, no. But the theme, the theme of of like moving on up, moving on up. Mm-hmm. Men move up and women move down. It's yeah. just how that kind of yeah. goes. And and she sees that and he sees that. Oh, and he's so cute when he's making her dinner. With the spaghetti, with the tennis racket. Yeah. And I think if we were to make it today, or like the bad version of this, that we would have made in the eighties, mm-hmm. would have him uh, turning the job down for her. Yeah. Where yeah. he doesn't really do it for her. He just does it because it's the right thing to do. Well, it also it's all over now. Yeah. It would have played up the fact, um, and I'm glad they didn't, that he's alone and he's lonely and he doesn't have a woman, which for the 80s and 90s is pretty much the worst thing that could ever happen to a man because God forbid any fucking dude on this planet be like, can't find a girl. Like, can't find a girl. I can't find a girl. There's lots of movies about guys who are alone trying to... Well, that's what I'm saying. Hmm. But, but the, the kind of, you know lost man who's you know his father's just like this is where the manic pixie dream girl thing just like pops mm, yeah, in right like yeah. that that this is the worst right this thing is that not could happen. garden state where, like exactly where he exactly where he's just alone and when he has dinner with her he casually just says like it's nice eating with somebody it's not played out but the shitty 80s version would be like sad face like it'd be like a jump shots jump takes between him Eating alone, ordering pizza, the same thing. Yeah. Like, and I, I was worried when he finds out that she was the one when she he sees the thing and he goes to the bar. I thought it was going to go into a little bit of like slut shamey esque area where he's just he's upset that she's this fallen angel in his brain, but he's not. He's just in love with her. Mm-hmm. But it reminded me of randomly because you know I'm trying to go on this film education, so I was watching Scorsese's movies like beginning to end. And the first movie that he made, which a lot of people don't know this, is like Who Came Knocking at the Door yeah. or whatever. Oh, so yeah. I was watching that and and my friend was explaining to me how Scorsese wrestles with this theme of like his relationship with Catholicism yeah. and all this stuff. And that this fucking movie is so crazy good. And when you watch, it's not crazy good. I mean, like it's crazy to, to watch it and then no Wolf of Wall Street, for instance. It's about this like young, this like Catholic guy um, played by Harvey Cartel. And he, I wasn't sure if it was him because he's so young, but it's hard yeah. to tell. And he's in love with this, like, beautiful, blonde, like, virginistic dick ingenue. And, you know, like, he is, he's in love with her. He's pursuing her, all this stuff. He's also sleeping with, like, every woman on the side. He brings them to this, like, kind of 
really interesting like loft space and he's sleeping with all these different types of women clearly they're prostitutes and all this stuff and he's so lost in loneliness but he's finally found this woman he starts taking her on dates as he's sleeping with all these women but he's really found this one that is like his one and then he find she tells this story and she's so lovely and so virginistic she tells a story about being raped being like driven in a car and like pulled out of the car and being raped and then suddenly he can't um, he like doesn't want to date her anymore. And it's like that he can't wrestle with the fact that she's been in his mind. She's this holy, you know, virginistic thing, but now he can't stop thinking of her, someone, other man touching her. Mm. And, and so he's living this dual reality, this cognitive dissonance where he's like, you act like a slut on your own, on your own time. And this woman has just been so wonderful to you and so kind. And she's only had it vulnerable. And vulnerable and only ever had it taken from her. Like she was raped and he can't, he, he's looking at her like she's damaged goods now. And it's that kind of like, because she's not holy and she's not this. And, and then you see, and it like, of course it's a bunch of men and they're like, they're gangsters or something. Like hoodlums, hoodlums at, at like, best. Like yeah. the constant theme of Scorsese's films of like a bunch of dudes and that like his, the, the women coming in and out are kind of this confused commodity that it seems like Scorsese is like dealing with. And then you see in like Wolf of Wall Street, it's like the same stuff, like, you know, just a bunch of dudes being dudes with money and masculine dealing with masculinity and all this shit. And then women are kind of these ancillary ancillary or ill-fated in a way, but not ancillary in like a way that is like that movies in the eighties and nineties did this, but like something that he can't quite uh, figure out. Like, cause it's like they're either, you know, prostitutes or they're good, like they're whole, you know, and that, and that, so I, I was worried that I was going to go down that direction, not worried. Yeah. And like, I was kind of like, uh Oh, is he, is he like slut shaming her? But he wasn't, he was just in love with her. No. And like, think about how easily he could have been mad. You know, like I couldn't, I didn't think you were that kind of girl. Well, he has that moment when he first comes back and he sees in the bed and he's like, get out. I used to care for you. Yeah. Now I don't. Yeah. But instantly the moment overtakes it. Right. But then, and then when his brother, her brother-in-law comes in, he says, like, I know where you are, but my sister's in the impression you're a lady. And it was just like, oh, like that guy's slut shaming her. And yeah. then, then he, you know, he, so it's, it's kind of, it's just interesting. Like, cause like the, they make sure that they, they show how other men are compared to this guy. Who's like a good guy. But there's also like, there's a couple moments in the film where he, he's not like, 100% squeaky clean. Because you've got that moment that would play very differently now, where he's clearly looked her up and knows all of her personal information. I know. <laughs> and that scene would play very... That's the one huge mistake the movie takes. But again, in the end, that's works, cute. And he also works for the company. It's kind of like, his job, It's yeah. kind of his job to know when he's established as the uh, detail I guy. I like, uh-oh, is he, like, really weird? Yeah, but she thinks it's cute. And yeah. but that's... It's fine. That's the one moment. But then there's... There's little instances you get where, like, his neighbors think he's this ladies' man, and he lets them. Right. You know, mm-hmm. he's no, he never ever. I mean, but part he's of doing it, it. He's doing it to make sh- to protect the men. That's why he's doing it. He's doing it to make sure that no one finds out his scheme because he's got to protect. Which is why he tells her, "Oh no, Mister Whatever his name is really concerned about you that you tried to kill yourself." No, 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 no. Like he wants to talk to you. Like he's doing it to. Make sure that all these men are protected, right? Yeah. Like, that's why he's pretending. That's yeah, why he, he knows said. he wants to get promoted for sure. Yeah. But there's also a little gleam in his eye that makes him feel good mm-hmm. about people thinking he's a ladies' man. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. maybe. You know? I, I don't know if I saw like too much of a gleam though. Well, there's just a little bit when like people are coming in, he's bragging a little bit, right? He likes that they think she's with him, right? I think I think 
actually, I didn't read it like that. I thought really it was him being like, like no one can know my scheme because he almost got fired for it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't. I thought it was more that. I didn't really see it as like him. No, but that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that means like you're on board with him. But yeah. he takes it. Like he even like when the brother-in-law comes over, he's like, no, she hurt herself because of me. Yeah. He didn't need to say that in that moment. Well, I think he does because it's like mm. he doesn't he doesn't know that what's the stupid what's the guy's name Sheldrake 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 he doesn't know that Sheldrake is he can't get Sheldrake fired Sheldrake's yeah. married so he has to say this right like he has to cover for him and then he decides he's going to cover him until he doesn't and that's like so epic when he throws the other key mm-hmm. this is for the executive washroom executive washroom yeah. I didn't know there was anything yeah. washroom. It gets funnier. It actually gets funnier as it gets darker. Like, there's more... There's an amazing balance. More laughs. Mm -hmm. There's an amazing balance in the film. Like, like, Billy Wilder is kind of a master of tone. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he does bring it up and down, and and the way he navigates it, it's really into the middle where it just kind of slows down and gets quiet, and it's really just about the two of them. Mm -hmm. You know, the movie's really small and intimate, despite how big it feels when it starts Mm -hmm. off. Mm-hmm. Did you guys notice that the like there was literally no people of color, and then like the two black actors were a shoe shine guy, and then and there was the, the Chinese restaurant. No, was there like, was a black woman in the office who was giving out the. Uh, and there was a, no, there was a there was a black janitor. He puts the hat on. At yeah, the at end. the end. Mm-hmm. And you're like, again, you know, it's like we can have. I have a conversation of like, how does it hold up for for women? Yeah. And yet, it's like there isn't a movie that holds up for well, if anyone. You can't hold the, the standard like. No, I mean, you can't. But what I'm saying is, like, it's... it's no, it's fair. We ask that question, but it has it felt for, for women, but we don't think about the other Well, ones. well, you, you, you do. I mean, you, you if, if, like, there are lots of people of color who watch these movies and are kind of like, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, they don't not think of it. Of course they're thinking of it, in a way. And it's like, how does it hold up for females? How does it hold this? How does the story hold up? And it's like, it's just so amazing because, like, we really haven't progressed that fast. <laughs> like, some movies are... Like I, um, I was watching a film rec- uh, at the gym recently. What movie was it? What it- gym do you go to? You watch all these movies. Uh, the Y, the YMCA. Okay. I'm a broke motherfucker. No, I didn't know. I didn't know what gym. Yeah, like, well, like movies. on the treadmill, they have. It's the only time I watch like cable television. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I'll watch whatever is on. I think I was watching Bride War, Br- Bride Wars. That what was that movie with. That sounds like a movie. Anne like Hathaway show. and no, not Bride Wars. The Brides, Anne Hathaway and what's the story Golden about? <laughs> and I don't remember. Two brides warring. Bride Wars. Bride Wars. Sure. And who cares? Well, there was like not a single person of color. Oh right. Okay. <laughs> and that's now. What? And that's now. That's like now. It came out like probably seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Right. Ten years ago. Anyway, the point is, it was like a noticeable thing. But then again, it's like it's so interesting because. You know, you watch these st- old studio movies, and so many of like the tiny characters in the film are also in so many other films. You know, but just like where they chose to have a person of color, where they didn't, was either enigmatic of the of the time, yeah. or it was a conscious decision on on cameras. I mean, this was New York; it maybe was more diverse than it is portrayed. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if the answer to that. It's interesting. It's like if you were to remake this now. Um, and, and not do period. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you, how do you update it? How do you... Because you can't just have her be a girl in the elevator. Right. Oh, if it was, like, made today. Yeah, but made... And takes place today, too. Like, this, taking this story, could you translate it to today? I don't know if you could. 
I mean, some of the themes, uh, the, 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 obviously when I said Sugar Daddy, we're, we're, I was laughing about it was because it's like, I mean, thesis for the film is, is that everything is, is sugar. Every, every interaction between a man and a woman when there's money involved is a sexualized, commodified interaction in some sort of way. A man buys you dinner, you feel like you owe him something. A man buys you a drink, you owe him five minutes of your time. Like, it's, it's always a fucking thing, right? Like the... Anyway, but that that kind of stuff you could update it in that way. Like the theme yeah. you could update in many ways. I don't know. Um, yeah, you'd have to do some fancy footwork for the apartment idea to kind of still hold up. It'd be challenging. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's just like I don't know what you would. I mean, it's just not, you could you know play the game of who plays the parts, but it's like I feel it's a hard movie. Like all all of the themes hold up really really well and the story stands up today but it's like I don't know if you could translate it to a modern era in a way that would even be the same movie mm-hmm. well it, one thing they didn't really they don't really deal with is the fact that these women are all cheating on their wives and he doesn't seem to care you know like and I feel yeah. like if you're if you're like a bachelor and your bachelor pad was being used as like a fuck pad for like these men to cheat on their wives which is making me now think of another movie but um you know i i feel like you'd maybe feel shitty about it yeah. <laughs> you know i was thinking about that when watching it this time but then it's quickly how it's, it's kind of sad how quick that thought goes out of your head when you're watching it because mm-hmm. you get drawn in by him mm-hmm. but it's true like he's totally illicit in this thing because it, it gets him he's hoping that it gets him something down the line yeah though i do know that the when you're around people i um my friend was uh, my my one of my best friends was dating someone with who they had a lovely relationship, but they would he had a lot of money, and so we were always you know when we'd hung when I hung out with them, it was like we were hanging out with him and then some of his friends and his friends' friends' friends, and we'd find ourselves in these situations where like like there'd be a group of dudes and they're rich, like we're talking like billionaires, billionaires people in like the same white crisp t shirt and they're talking and all this stuff. And you'd hang out with a group of guys, and I it'd be like me and my my friend, and 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 I was kind of like the random artist that was with this group of people. And half the time they had their wives with them, and half the time they had like their mistresses with them. And then like they would go off and smoke after dinner, and like you know I didn't the love sitting room. No, but, like it was it was like a little bit of like we'd all we'd go. For, you know, I didn't love these interactions. We all go out for dinner, and and all the men would would all the women would get up and to go have a cocktail, and I would kind of be like, holy shit, do where I go? What, what the fuck do I do? Because I'm so bad in participating in like those types of things. So I was just like, uh, do I get? Oh, I don't want to stay with these group of disgusting dudes who are all smoking and talking shop. But do I go over here with a bunch of these young women who are essentially like these men's like mistresses or these men's wives that I have to like pretend like I just didn't see this guy with someone completely different? Like, so it, this only happened like a handful of times to the point where I was like, I cannot be around this. I don't know how to do this. I am not like, you know, I'm not cut out for it, but it is, it is, it is not, um, it's still a thing. Like. So I think this is the update of the apartment. Yeah, it's, like, like, it's still a thing yeah. where like men with money who feel like they deserve everything, and that is you know a, 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 a wife in the Bahamas, but a girlfriend in New York, which is or the wife in Bermuda. Like you know, put your family in one spot, put your mistress in another. Um, you know, they feel like they they deserve it all, and it, and 
you you have to incorporate people in the lie of some sort of in some sort of yeah. way. You know, you'd have to choreograph it. It'd be interesting to tell it from her point of view. Hmm. Not that it's not like mm-hmm. they feel fairly evenly balanced, but just really telling it from her point of view where. She, you don't realize it's his place until she does. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm. You know? That's interesting. It's great how well her story, her revelation story, kind of feels right and natural at the time that it comes out when she's when she wakes up. Like, how, just that, how it all pours out in one kind of shot. Yeah, and the doctor's like, do you know this guy? And she's like, oh, shit, this is where I am. This mm-hmm. is what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do think there's something about... Um, I remember like hearing this st- one story about this really, this girl who was dating this this man who was married, and he had like purchased an apartment for her, and she was living in this apartment. I shouldn't even be telling the story, but she's never she's not going to be listening to this. I'm guessing, <laughs> and she was living in this apartment, and um, like a bunch of like dudes came in and were like friends of this rich guy, and like this was like their bro hangout, and she was there. And felt so vulnerable and so weird. And she was like, leave. This is my apartment. And they're like, it's not really your apartment or whatever. He's paying for it. And yeah. then she called this guy. And he's on holiday with his wife. And he's like, do not call me while I'm on this holiday. And suddenly she's in this like, apartment with all these guys. And they, and they have all have keys. And she just like doesn't, you know. She See, that's like, another, that's an even better version yeah. mm-hmm. of the update of this movie. It's yeah, like, yeah. she's the kept woman. Yeah. But it's not her place. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, that, that, that works. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, work. it's like it's, the, all, it's like the inverse of this. The mm-hmm. dance of uh, of this, the dance of rich people with disgusting lives. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Well, I mean, Kelly, I think when we were watching, you mentioned like you might be able to use this as a reference for. Oh yeah, for my film. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I think. Um, every woman can relate to feeling like a paid thing paid for a service in some sort of fashion, no matter what. Like I've never met a woman who's never related to that at some point in their life, being paid to smile, being paid to look a certain way, being paid to, you know, like show up for dinner, smile, like drink with them, talk with them for five minutes. So it felt nice that this was like one of the first times I'd seen it. Like she just, she just... The dialogue goes there, mm-hmm. you know, like you've paid for it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it also doesn't villainize prostitution in any kind of way, which is also very impressive. It's not like, you know, if you did do that, if you were paid, then you have to pay. Then you have to pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no like. There's like no religion in this movie. No, no, no. Well, that's no true. moralizing. What's this no, shocking? There's no right? shaming. There's no. no like he never shamed her. Mm-hmm. He never shames the guy. It's not about that at all. No, it's not about redemption. I mean, there's the there's the possibility of redemption through finding someone you don't that feel you that, can connect to. Yeah, you don't feel that she's less of a lovable character for him to love because of her past in any kind of way. She's like, this has happened four times, and it's not... It's like, oh, that sucks, not, oh, you're such a whore. So, mm-hmm. I mean, as a reference for me, it's like one of the older versions of kind of a story I'm constantly interested in telling which is this commodification of women in a real like casual everyday way that happens so i shall use it (laughs) (laughs) and for you you, this is you this is not your first time seeing it second time second time seeing it probably 20 years ago i just i just didn't it's like 
I love that there's no moralizing. I love that there's no, I, I love how much he loves his characters and, and, and how, like you said, he's a master of tone. Like it, it, it inspires me to think about the, the tidiness of the construction and then, like you say, and then, and then, like letting that movement, letting the letting when we when we're into the meat of the of the relationship of them getting to know each other, the entire movie just lets every single kind of thing take its own time. Yeah, and uh, and especially the darkness, especially the darkness. I think I, 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 you know, we can call this a romantic comedy because of the way it ends, but the way it goes about getting there, you know. We, ex- except we love it. I mean, I, I was like, right, of course, the, the New Year's Eve song and then the running. Like, how many movies have we seen that in? Yeah. You know, from everything from Harry Met Sally to, you know, it, who knows what. Like it's it. almost yeah. the same ending as Harry Met Sally. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> really sure that, I'm sure they were aware. Yeah. But, uh, no. Guess you've never seen that. Oh, no. Oh, God. Sorry. Well, we, talk, we talked about him being the Rob Reiner of, uh, it's of true. his era. So there's. I know, I know who you're talking about there, but. It's so funny. People make references to Harry. That's what I think I know. Is that I, since I haven't seen movies, I know the movies that people reference all the time because like it doesn't mean anything to me. So I'm like, uh huh. Harry Met Sally is the most over-referenced film of all time. You should still see it though. Of course I'm gonna see it. Of course I'm gonna see it. I feel like I've seen so many photos and recreations of it, and people are like, it's just like Harry Met Sally. There's a bunch of diner scenes in that, right? Well, there's the, one there's the diner scene. Right, yeah. yeah. Then that's like every time people have a scene in a movie, they're like, it's such a ripoff of Harry Met Sally. I'm like, sure. <laughs> okay. Well, and Harry Met Sally also basically kind of started the anti-romantic comedy mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Right? It was probably the first real one mm-hmm. of its kind that has been done. Break the genre. The break yeah, the to, genre where it's to like, go, oh, these people should never be together. And yeah. They're, they're never going to get together. It was self-aware. Mm-hmm. Right. Of, of the kind of the tropes and what it was doing. Mm-hmm. And the d- faux documentary stuff and all the little... Yeah. Kind of, mm-hmm. but, it, but it's been done so badly since then. Right. So it's, but it's worth, just as like in your study of like different genres and formats, yeah. like just to watch it as going, this was the first of its kind, take it or leave it for that. Mm-hmm. But that it's like, it's the origin of, of all that. It's like I've been saying that... Um, uh, Princess Bride, Stand By Me, what the fuck else? Rob Reiner. Um, Hammett Sally. Yeah, Princess Bride I've seen. But what? That is a crazy weird, I mean... Um, uh, the one, uh, You Can't Handle the Truth, A Few Good Men. Oh, what? That's Rob Reiner. Jeez, that's such a crazy, yeah. Well, like, some of the most important movies of my... Yeah, but nobody thinks of Rob Reiner as a... As a great director, as a great American director. But but he's got, like, an amazing filmography. Yeah. I've seen Princess Bride, of course. Stand by me? I'm not insane. Hmm? Princess Bride. Okay. I'm not that's insane, okay. is what I'm trying oh, to say. Oh, I see. Okay, good. That's good. Yeah. Um, You're a human being, what I was after all. <laughs> You're a mensch. <laughs> after all. Um, that, that, I mean, that's what the movie is about. I mean, like, when we talk about... Because it's like this this sort of New York success story. Yeah. And then it's, what is it actually to be a human being? Yeah. And that that's pretty cool, I think. Yeah. I mean, stay up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... I guess we could end it there, but I have one more thought about Harold and Maude. But Do I, it. Okay. Well, I was going to say, um, Harold and Maude, I've seen, like, every year since I was, like, 10. It was, like, Labyrinth, Harold and Maude, Labyrinth, Harold and Maude. It's always meant something different to me every time I watch it. Um, I showed it last week to Alex. Oh, really? Yeah, it's... But I said recently, I was like, Maude is the original Manic Pixie Dream Girl, I think. <laughs> but, 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 but the whole thing is that she's not a Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but in the effort to recreate her magic, people have made up, made 
a manic pixie dream girl, which is the whole point of that movie is that he is going through this thing. He is going through this thing. He meets this woman who is this magic. He's already gone through thing. it. And, and she's this fiery, mm-hmm. interesting, like, let's have fun. Let's do this. Like totally, you know, like, um, Natalie, rules, Natalie Portman in, in, yeah. in Garden State, it's just counterculture. And then you real, and then he says like, no, we're supposed to be together. And she's like, no, 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 you're a part of my story. And in my story, I die when I'm 80 and sorry, bro. But like, I've been on a track and like, that's the, it's like, you think that she's going to be this thing that's going to solve him. And then she teaches him, no, your, your journey is your journey. Motherfucker, go do your own work. Like I'm off, you know, like I'm a flower. I'm a sunset. So it's like that, but that Matt, that thing, this morose boy who like can't, who's like obsessed with death, finds this bright light who's just random and lives in a house and a trailer. And she's got like, do you like that you've seen in every manic pics, everything yeah. Kirsten Dunst, Lots of Kirsten Dunst movies, you've seen that. But the problem is, is like it ends up that she does fix him and he goes on to be this. But that's a good, to me, that's the good, that's the interesting question to me is about why did, how did this movie so, so, so usefully play with that idea that she's lost and, and, and he could fix her, but it it, it avoids doing that in a way that doesn't feel... You know, yeah. doesn't there's, feel... There's, there's no... Um, it doesn't feel it, it like anyone's equal. fixing anybody. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is like... And that's why it's like Harold and Maude happened, which is in the 70s. And then like Hal Ashby is, is my amazing. favorite director of the ones I've seen. <laughs> but like I've seen all of his films. And, you know, that kind of soft and strange like character, colory, set 70s feel. I mean, being there, I love and all that. But um, like... That, it, it's like that happened, and then the 80s and 90s, it's like basically women were just there. Oh, come on. The, the alien also came out of the 80s and 90s. I've had enough of you lumping the 80s and 90s as one thing. I meant like romantic, <laughs> I meant like romantic movies. Also like when Harry Met Sally came out in the 80s and 90s. Okay, wait, fine, 90s. I don't fucking know anything about film. I'm trying to tell you. I will, I will. The Kelly's point is like, for, for like the probably 10 good examples we can make, there's a lot of really It was bad a bad time for music as well. It was a bad time for music as well. Yeah. I'm just saying that, like, there was a time where, you know, everyone says, like, mention... Well, here's another example. If you want to talk about music, it's, like, you know, musicians of, like, like the greatest musicians. You know, if you are talking about the 60s and 70s, there's a lot of parody between the greatest musicians of the 60s and 70s. You can talk about a lot of female men. If you're talking about, like, the greatest musicians of, like, the 80s and 90s, a lot of them are just men. And, Mm. like, that's... Like, what is that? What is the cultural phenomenon of the fact that, like... I think Whitney Houston and Madonna were probably in the totally, top five totally, totally. Days. But like you're ta- you're still talking about like that's when like hardcore all male bands and it was like a lot of grunge, a lot of punk rock, a lot of like testosterone was coming up and like you know a lot of rap, a lot of like misogyny coming up through music that had just come out of this like folk time where women were also co-dominating. So I'm just yeah, of course there's examples of like Madonna and 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 Whitney Houston who are singing this this music. Mind you, all their music is about love and like dating and love and dating and love and dating, love and dating. So I'm just saying Madonna. That, I don't know about that. That's not true. That's, yes. that's true. Yeah, and also Madonna made the sex book and all this stuff. I'm not. I'm not shitting on Whitney or Madonna. That would be insanity, and they're both like icons. Um, but I'm saying is like there seem to be in a lot of forms of art this this movement towards testosterone, you know, male dominated art, the male auteur that we are that I am trying to grab grab out of a little bit. See, I see it less about through the gender idea and more in the world of like, we, we, we started getting more and more conservative of like the idea of, but conservatism uh, is gender. That's like religious is like women are two things. You are either a 
perfectly virginistic ingenue young thing and your best thing you can do is beget the child of God or you are literally responsible for throwing men out of humanity and you're a slut. And so it's like, you know, anytime there's conservatism, there's religion and anytime that is, it's so confining for women like in, 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 like, in you know, so many ways. Anytime there's that. Mm-hmm. So like conservatism and money, like playing back to this theme, like that's why it's like to have the themes of, of men like going up and moving up in the world and for there not to be religion in any kind of way tied to that. Like a man's place is a place in the workforce and a woman's place is at home. Like that is conservative religious values in a way. Sorry. I don't mean to poo-poo your saying. <laughs> I'm just going to poo-poo it. <laughs> I don't mean to poo-poo it, but I'm doing it. Yeah. Poo-poo. Poo-poo, poo-poo away. I'll take it. Well, when I do Harold the Mod, you should come back. Oh, Hell Mod is like frame by frame by frame by frame. I know every single frame of that movie. I just who are gonna find it? The oh, there's a couple people that haven't seen it. It's oh, yeah? on their list. So I saw it recently at um, Cinespia in Los Angeles at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Oh, cool. amazing! It was. Oh, like, that's a great spot to oh, watch it. And oh, and like that that record that um, Cat Stevens wrote, like it wasn't people didn't know it until no. that movie came out. Yeah. That was like one of the first movies where there were an entire you know there was the Graduate, which I saw recently. Great. And um, didn't think it was wasn't anything I felt like I thought it would be, because of course I know all the Simon and Garfunkel music yeah, now, and yeah. you think it's gonna be about the folk, some sort of folk idea, but it's not. It's this like really mod thing, and I would never pair those two now, which is why I think it's weird. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird connection. It's a totally weird. But at the time, it was like they released that album with that movie, right? Yeah, I think. I think it was the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it was the soundtrack, but they hadn't like they released it. After. At the, or after. Yeah, yeah, yeah with cool. the movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then Simon and Garfunkel went on to be these, like, you know, folky-sounding thing. And when I watched The Graduate, it was this, like, really ultra-mod... You know, I don't know. I thought it was a weird combo. Mm. But of course it wasn't But it worked. Because you had made up an idea of what the That's, movie would look like. Exactly, like, because Simon like and Garfunkel like... I grew up listening to so much. So it's like, yeah, you know, a little bit more country-ish, you know, grassrootsy-ish folky thing and it was this hardcore mod thing and that so for me it read like a director was making a really interesting choice <laughs> but it's not the case it's Mike Nichols though another uh, another well I don't even say underrated but kind of someone who people don't go oh yeah like he's you know they wouldn't put him in the Scorsese uh, Spielberg kind well, of like he does world. a very specific thing like Carnal Knowledge and have you seen Carnal Knowledge? I've never seen oh, Carnal Knowledge oh that, you know what that just came up Alex was wanting to watch that Fuck, that's a movie yeah. and a half. <laughs> Our Garfunkel, there you go. Yeah, what? Our Garfunkel Our acts. Garfunkel acts. Shut up. Garfunkel yeah. acts. He's the, he's the second, he plays Jack Nicholson's best friend. Is he good? Yeah. He's that good. movie comes up in, you know, Story, the book Story? Yeah. That, that, that movie comes up a lot. It's a great movie. Yeah. Remember Key's book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, a, it's an example he goes back yeah, to. Yeah, that over book and over. I, I had a hard time because I didn't know any of those fucking movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I know it's like. It's like the... Did you use that as a kind of reference? Oh, Carnal Knowledge. <laughs> just the 70s. I'll come back for Carnal Knowledge. I want to see that. All right, we'll come back for all of them. Well, thanks, right. guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, this is awesome. This is one of the best places to watch movies ever. Right? Yes. Yeah. Tell, your, tell all your friends. Well, I will tell your friends. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the Thanks for joining us for The Apartment. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. You can find me on Twitter at Lalonde Jeremy and on Facebook for Black Hole Films. Also, leave a review wherever you listen to this thing on Apple Podcasts, Blueberry, you know, the various places. And until next time... 
Go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.